0: The following audio is from the Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. Hey, I'm glad you're here. We're in a series called Love Where You Live. Today is part four. As you can see on the screen, it says Love Where You Live. And we're going to land in Acts chapter 17. If you got a Bible, you can turn there. If you got a smartphone with a Bible app, you can turn there as well. Um, and uh, we'll get to the text here in just a few moments. But I'm proud to say that we've always been a missions-minded church. Uh, in fact, uh, you might not know this, but we actually support um, monthly uh, 30 missions, uh, endeavors, or missionaries all over the world. There's some up in uh, British Columbia, a couple locals, Seattle, and down in Auburn, as well as San Francisco, Oceanside, California, kind of West Coast. But we have missionaries in Central America, South America, in Asia, in Europe, and in Africa. And like I said, we support them monthly, and uh, so that's kind of what goes on. But you might go, well, what exactly does that mean? Here's what it is. We have missionaries that are specifically trained in the culture of the areas that they're headed to. They're placed based on their heart, based on the number of people who don't know Christ um, in certain demographics, and they receive training on things like what the culture there is, on uh, the language that they speak, or maybe it's multiple languages. What is the history of the area? What are the influences of the area? What are the spiritual or religious beliefs? What are the laws regarding religion, what is the general financial climate or what is the political climate in, in these areas? This is what missionaries do um, And um, once they're trained appropriately, they're prayed for, they're sent. And, and some of their goals vary uh, based on kind of what they do or sometimes what they're allowed to do. But if you look on the screen, there's, you see a map of uh, missions work that we support all over the place. And you go, well, what's wrong with Australia? We'll get there eventually, okay? And some of you need to, to hear the call of God to Australia, so there you go. Uh, but anyway, uh, th- that's, that's kind of a map of where our missions work is at. And like I said, once they're, they're trained, they're prayed for, they're sent, and they do all kinds of different things. But the umbrella, the overarching idea of what they do is they serve, they love, and they help others understand how much they're loved by Jesus. That's the overarching idea of what they do all the time. That's the point of them being sent to do what they do. And you go, well, what does this have to do with us? First of all, obviously, because I say we support 30 missionaries every month, your financial generosity helps us be able to do that. In fact, last year, we had four opportunities to support new missions work, and we said yes to all four because of the generosity of people, and I love that. So your giving helps make that happen, and yes, I'll say just a short pitch here, but if you haven't taken a step into regular giving at the Grove Church, I wanna challenge you to do that because that's part of what we're able to do because of our generosity Together. The second thing is this as we continue in part four of Love Where You Live, I want you and I to understand that we are missionaries right where we're at. In fact, the opposite of being a missionary to where you're at would be something called being a local. So you're wondering why I'm wearing a shirt. Yes, I got persecuted by our staff on Baptism Sunday because it is Baptism Sunday and I have a shirt that says Local Yokel. The reason though is very intentional, which let me take a timeout and say this. We are doing baptisms today. You came and went, well, where's the tank? And maybe you missed the video, but with the weather outside, we were like, what if we held a giant party on the patio and baptized everybody all at once? And that's what we're gonna do at the end of the 11 a.m. service. So today, if you miss, you know, you wanna see baptisms and you came and where's the baptisms? It's going to be happening as we dismiss. Our 11 a.m. we're going to dismiss a little bit early, and we're going to baptize everybody that signed up. If you didn't sign up, but you need to get water baptized, you go, well, what does that even mean? Baptism is the outward proclamation of the inward transformation God does in Christ. It's going public saying, I wanna serve Jesus, and baptism is symbolic of doing that, laying your life down in the watery grave of baptism, coming up symbolically new in Christ. If that's a step you need to take, I wanna challenge you to take it today. If you want to get baptized, you can go over to the hub as you exit the auditorium to your left and Jen Ervig will be there. She'll get you signed up. We have shirts. We have uh, shorts. We have all the stuff you need to get baptized today. It's going to happen at about 1150. And if you're leaving today at our 945 and, and you're, you're going to miss baptisms because they usually happen in our gathering, come back and celebrate with us because we're going to have a giant party out there and celebrate baptism. So there you go. Um, let me, let me jump back into this whole conversation though about missionaries and locals. The, the difference between a missionary and a local, I think we know this. If you're a local to a certain area, it means this, you've grown up in a certain area and you know it well, or you're a long time resident. Now what happens though is the mentality of a local is, is in some ways a bit of a problem because if you're a local, sometimes you get a my turf mentality. And some of you are very familiar with this, but here's the deal. You don't necessarily like outsiders. If you're if you're a local, they have their expectations about how things should operate. They tend toward, or they tend away from, excuse me, they tend away from change, especially if it means losing power or losing influence or losing personal comfort. Many of us in this room ha- have made comments about people that are moving into the area. And it's especially been true of those that have come from California for years. People say all the Californians are moving up here. Okay. So you've done it if you've ever said that. So now you're in the conversation. You're welcome for that. Anyway, by the way, if you're from California, welcome. Glad you're here. All right. Let's keep going. The danger, and it's pretty obvious though, the danger of having a local's mentality is this. We focus so much on the benefits of being part of a culture instead of looking for opportunities to reach out to the culture. Again, you're not unfamiliar with the conversation. Are we thinking like missionaries or are we thinking like locals? Are we focused on what we get out of a community or are we focused on what we invest into the community? And a simple way to put it is this, are we consumers or are we contributors to the community that we live in? An easy example of being a local over being a missionary is this. We all have our expectations of if we go out to eat somewhere locally of how things should go. And we show up, and I'll just give you a brief context. We show up at a restaurant and the the, the greeter at the, or the host person at the you know, front says, hey, welcome to such and such a place. Uh, you have a reservation? No. How long is the wait? It's about 20 minutes. Okay. We want to put our name in. You put your name in and they give you a beeper or they send you a text message on your phone or you sit there and you wait for them to yell your name at some point. And about 17 minutes into the 20 minute wait, they call your name and you're like, great. And you stand up with your family and you go grab a seat. They take you to the table. They hand you menus. They say your server will be with you shortly. Her name or his name is such and such. And you wait there and the server comes within 90 seconds. Cause that's what you expect and that's how it should be. And, and they show up and they go, hi, I'm so-and-so and, and I'll be your server today. Would you guys like anything to drink? And if you know what you want, you go, I drink orders and water, 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 and they hate you anyway. No, I'm just kidding. Just joking, okay? Um, you order your drinks, and they say, are you ready to order your food? Now give us a few minutes. You peruse the menu. They come back in the appropriate amount of time with the right drinks, whatever you've ordered, and they say, can I take your order? Do you want any appetizers? Now we're just gonna have some entrees today. You order your food. They say, thank you so much. They walk away. Within the right amount of time, according to your own brain, they come back with the food. It's hot. It's made exactly the right way. You didn't want onions. There's no onions. Want an extra mayo. There's extra mayo. Whatever it is you ordered, it shows up at the time you think it should show up. And things are going swimmingly and you eat your food. And at some point in the appropriate time that you think is right, they come back and say, how's your food? Does anybody need any refills? And throughout the time that you eat your meal and you talk amongst your table, they come back at regular intervals that for you are the appropriate amount of intervals because they they come back too much, they're annoying. If they don't come back enough, where's our server? You laugh because you know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, and and the, the, the meal winds down and they take the plates away so you don't have to look at nasty plates of food and everything's nice. And you can put your elbows on the table. They say, do you want a dessert menu? And you're like, bring it on. And they bring the dessert menu and everything's great. They give you the check, you pay, they, they take your credit card, you give them a nice tip. You walk away and go, that was a lovely experience. So far so good? Because what happens is if they say it's a 20 minute wait and it's been 23 minutes, what is going on around here? Or you order your food and there isn't Mayo when you wanted Mayo or you didn't want tomatoes and there's tomatoes or your food is warm when it should be hot. And you're like, how long has this been sitting? What's going on in this place? Or the server doesn't come back the right amount of times or they come back too much, or they have the audacity to call you sweetheart. And all of the experience you go through because you have your expectations of how it should go doesn't go the way you want it to. And when you leave, you take a picture of the place and you post it on social media and say, nobody should go here. This place is terrible. And the server called me sweetie and our food was warm. And we didn't get seated until 30 minutes when they said it was going to be 20. And you put out a Yelp review and you think nobody should ever go there. That's called being a Local. Because here's what I know. I've traveled all kinds of different places in the world. And there are restaurants you go to in other countries. You never know what your experience is going to be. And clean is relative. And there may or may not be flies. And it just is what it is. And you can't order specific things on the menu a certain way because they'll just give it to you however it comes. And you never know when you're going to get seated and you're not necessarily sure when the food is going to arrive and whatever happens through the experience and it's over and it's three hours later, you go, it is what it is because your expectations are different. You're not a local and you just assume this is just how it goes and we have to be flexible, which by the way, If you signed up for any of our missions trips we've taken, or you're signed up for the one coming up in March, the basic beatitude that we're going to share with you is the first one that doesn't appear in the Bible. Blessed are the flexible for they shall not be broken. But, but let me just say it this way. When you and I look through the lens of being a local in our community, we miss out on opportunities because we're not thinking like a missionary. We're thinking about what we're entitled to. And I know it's a continuation of what I said last week, but I wanna challenge us with a different perspective of how we live in our local community. If you look at Acts chapter 17, uh, Paul paints a pretty incredible picture that I think should challenge you and I. Well, Paul, Acts 17 verse 16 While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting? You're bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. Verse 21, all the Athenians and the foreigners who live there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, "'People of Athens, I see that in every way you're very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, "'To an unknown God.'" So you're ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you today. Jesus, I pray for you to work in us. I pray you would continue to challenge our perspective of how we exist, especially because so many of us are locals to this area. Some of us have been here for so long that we're just kind of going through the motions of existing, but I pray for you to continue to challenge us to be what you called us to be. We're on mission. That's what you ask. Help us understand it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've ever read the book of Acts, I've said before, it's the activity of the first century church. So here's Paul as a believer who grew up a Jew, was trained in Judaism, but was converted because he had a revelation of Jesus on the road to Damascus. After he's converted, he goes out and he goes on three missionary journeys in particular. This right here in Acts 17 is the first missionary journey, and Paul is in Athens. He's already been to Thessalonica and other areas, but when he gets to Athens, he notices that there's all kinds of spirituality going on, but but he's concerned about it. And if you notice, it says, while he was waiting for them in Athens... He was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Now, I want you to notice what's happening. It says he was greatly distressed. Other translation of this word include he was angry. He was greatly angered. He was upset or he was troubled. Now, I say that and I bring that up as a point because the world that you and I live in, if you've been in Christ for a length of time, you may look at our world and feel distressed by all that's going on. Anybody else out there besides me? You may feel even like it says for Paul, angry or greatly angered at the stuff that you see going on in our world. And Paul, in the same way as you and I, felt greatly distressed, felt very upset about what was going on. But I want you to notice how Paul responds. It says, so, verse 17, he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks as well as in the marketplace day by day. When it says he reasoned other words again, here, when you study this out, other words are he discussed with them. And it was Paul's practice oftentimes to go into a city and the first place he would go to would be the synagogue because he could easily build a bridge from Old Testament stories of of God's love and and grace and, and work all the way to Jesus. So he would go to the synagogue and try to help them understand Jesus and the resurrection of the dead first if... He wasn't well received or there wasn't a synagogue. He would go to other places. And here in Athens, he goes to the synagogue and then he goes to the marketplace, all kinds of cultures, all kinds of religious ideas. But I want you to notice, it says when he was very distressed or very angry, it specifically says he didn't rant, he didn't yell, he didn't demand. It says that he had a discussion. So he reasoned in the synagogue. And by the way, this wasn't a one-time thing. It says Paul would go back day after day after day. It it, it goes back to for you and I, where we feel angered, where we feel this angst about what goes on in our world, the emotions are there. The emotions are real. We have to be honest about that, but it matters to a great deal how we respond to those emotions within us. His being upset, listen to this, his being upset moved him to action that was constructive. Think about that for a minute. Paul was moved to action, but not in a way that was ranting and yelling and demanding, but in a way that was constructive. For you and I, it's a great filter tip. It's something to consider to filter through as we feel all that we feel in the world that we live in. Here's the question. Will this response or will this reaction be constructive or destructive to the progression of, of this relationship and my witness for Christ? Will this reaction be constructive or destructive to the message of Christ? Will what I'm about to do, will what I'm about to say, will my response help or hinder the light from shining in my life? And so I love that Paul was distressed, but he ended up in his distress having conversations, having dialogue, discussion, talking back and forth. Verse 18, a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Now, this is where, again, it takes takes an even stronger kind of language than just discussion back and forth. They knew that they disagreed, but they would debate. Now, specifically, in Athens, as this is going on, if you noticed in verse 21, it says, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. This was was a a, a community of philosophers, or at least they were trying to be. And, And so when they were doing this, I want you to notice that, yes, the heat was turned up, that it wasn't just discussion. It began to be debate. Why they disagree, uh, rebuttal arguments, why you disagree, rebuttal arguments, back and forth. This is how it went. Now, this is kind of this this common thing in Athens where there's pockets of people debating all kinds of ideas, and it was kind of like C-team, junior varsity, varsity, just so you know. That's kind of how it went. They didn't call it that. I called it that. But anyway, Um, and and they were debating. It gets to a point where, yes, Paul debates why they disagree, but again, he doesn't do it in a way that's disrespectful. He follows the lines of debate. And while we, can't, we could define those based on you know, ancient philosophy and, and, and debate, it doesn't say that they did that. So I'm not gonna infer that there was rules to this, but there was decorum that was followed from what we can understand. Now, I, again, what Paul did in the message version, it says he got to know them pretty well through these conversations. And then something happens that I want you to notice. It says that, that they got sarcastic with him. And the message version says this. They, they, they said, what a moron. I love that version, by the way. But, but if you look at the NIV, it says, um, some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? So they mock him. But I want you to notice that Paul doesn't mock back. Paul doesn't burn the bridge by getting disrespectful and having them call foul on him because of his attitude. He's thinking like a missionary. His goal is to build the bridge into a conversation that helps them understand the gospel. And so instead of mocking back and getting into the mud, slinging back and forth with them, he continues to to have this kind of debate dialogue that that, uh, it says, others remarked he seems to be advocating foreign gods. He said this, and here's your deal, because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. By the way, side note here, when when people talked about why you might believe what you believe or why you're a religious, whatever you might be, go back to the the, the picture of who Jesus is and the resurrection and realize that when you see what the disciples did based on that Jesus rose from the dead, they gave their life for this message. That, that, That Paul himself gave his life for the message of Christ because he believed that Jesus rose from the dead. It's the difference between Christianity, our faith in Jesus and every other world religion. And so again, a little side note there, but it's a reminder for you and I, they were passionate about this message and it's the message you and I are supposed to carry in our hearts as well as share when we get opportunity. So they debate, they discuss, and then they debate, but Paul, even though they mock him, he doesn't mock back. I brought this up a few weeks ago, kind of at the end of May, but I want to say this as a missionary, Paul would not only establish churches with a group of people, but he wrote letters. And most of you are aware of this, but did you look at the New Testament, you have all of these different things that were written that we call Thessalonians and Corinthians and Colossians and all this stuff. These were letters mostly by Paul that he wrote to the churches. One of them was to the church of Rome. We call it Romans. But one of the things that Paul wrote, and this is what I mentioned a while ago. In Romans 12, it says this, and I want you to think about your life and what Paul says here, repay no one evil for evil. Okay, Paul's the quintessential missionary. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, verse 18, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with everyone. It doesn't mean we don't have a voice, but as I said even weeks ago, it's how we carry ourselves when we use that voice. Do we come across as demanding? Do we come across as angry? Do we mock back and get in the mud with others? Or are we willing to have intelligent conversation that can lead to something even better? Keeping the door open, keeping the bridge built. So let's continue because it's amazing what happens. It says this, uh, verse 19. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you're bringing? What happens here is that Paul builds this bridge day after day with these Epicurean and Stoic philosophers, because that bridge remains open in their discussion and debate. They basically inviting up, invite him up to the varsity conversation. That's what's going on. And so Paul gets invited to the group of people that are the apparently like the real thinkers of the day in Athens. Paul is given greater opportunity because he doesn't burn the bridge. He continues to build the bridge. And I'm telling you guys, the same is true for you and I. If we want opportunity to love well and to speak of Christ in our lives, it matters how we carry ourselves. It matters what we say, even the things we post on social media. Do we think through how these things impact the people we want to love and reach for Christ? Our voice matters. And we all know when things are typed, they can come across a ton different than how we meant them even which is why I'm always probably overly careful on the things I post on social media. Some of you guys probably go, why in the world doesn't he say more? Why does not he getting into this or that? It's because I don't see a lot of people going, oh, now my mind has changed because you finally said it. <laughs> to me, that's not the right platform. I try to build that bridge and shine that light. But again, I have people all over the place on social media that aren't connected to Christ. Like, How do I reach them? How do I help shine that light to them? So Paul stands up in the meeting of the Oropagus and says, people of Athens, I see that you're very religious. Some of us in the world that we live in, we want to stand up like Paul, but we don't take the opportunity to continue to build the bridge. We burn it. And and what I mean is this. We talk about all the ways that we disagree. We bring up why we're right and other people are wrong. And Paul, although he had every right to theologically say, look, there's a bunch of stuff here that's leading you to hell. There's all kinds of things you're worshiping that is not God, and that's wrong. Paul didn't do that. Paul says, man, I was walking around. Notice, by the way, he was walking around. If you go back to, um, oh, man. He says, uh, he stands up and says, I, I, I was walking around and I looked carefully. In other words, he didn't just jump into the conversation. He looked around to see what was going on in the community. He looked around at what's being worshipped. What are the belief systems within this, uh, this situation? And by the way, there were all kinds of, of, of temples and areas set up for different forms of worship all over Athens. And so Paul walks around and sees it and builds that bridge saying, look, you guys, there, you have some spirituality There's, there's religion going on all over the place. I see that. And then he goes on to say this. I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Most of us in Paul's context, the way that we would handle it, if we saw this inscription to an unknown God, idolatry, that's wrong. That's not okay. And again, it's not that theologically that might not be true, but Paul's looking to build a bridge. Paul is being mindful like a missionary, not living like a local. And I know that's a cheesy way to put it, but that's the anchor. Are we mindful as missionaries in the culture that we're local to? Or are we just living, existing, going through the motions of the community that we're a part of? He says, I see you're very religious. And I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. And we read it in the NIV this way, and it sounds offensive, so let me help you here. It says, to an unknown God, so you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. When Paul says you are ignorant, I want to be specific about the wording here, because for you and I in 2022 in the USA, this sounds like he's being offensive. He just calls them out. It's not that he's not challenging their belief system, but, but the way that he's saying it is this. So let, let me help you with the wording here. What you worship as unknown is something I want you to know. So he's not, he's not just throwing something out there to be offensive. He's saying something going, look, there, you say an unknown God, but, but I want to tell you who this God is. That was his bridge into the message of the gospel, the message of Jesus and the message of the resurrection. Other translations, this God that you worship without knowing it is the one I've been telling you about. Remember, day after day, he's having these conversations. The amplified version, what you worship as unknown, this is what I'm proclaiming to you. And again, the message version, I'm here to introduce you to this God so you can worship intelligently, so you know who you're dealing with. Why do I bring all this up? And I don't mean to be cheesy here when I say this, but I love Paul's heart. And when I was studying this out, it brought me to tears. He cared so much for people that don't know Jesus that he was looking for a bridge into their lives, into their world. And he did things that you and I today, if you've been in the faith for a long time, would go, absolutely not. That's, that's horrible. He's trying to build a bridge. They don't believe what he believes. They're not where he's at. In fact, some of the things they believe run opposite to what Paul would have to say. But what does he anchor himself to? He builds a bridge into that they're spiritual and religious. Again, builds the bridge to that and and continues the bridge being built into you have this unknown God thing. Let me explain to you who this is. And then he talks about Jesus and the resurrection. That, By the way, that's our starting point conversations with people that don't know Christ. Why does it matter to you? Why are you a religious person? Why are you spiritual? Why do you go to church? However people say it? Because of what Jesus did for me in forgiveness on the cross. Not only that, but what we believe, we read about, he he died, but he rose again. That's kind of a big deal. One, One pastor, I've said it before, said it this way. If you ever meet somebody that says, I'm gonna die and rise again three days later, you should probably listen to what they have to say if they do it. It mattered to Paul and it needs to matter to us. If you want to love where you live, I know it's a cliche or a cheesy way to put it, if you wanna love where you live, be mindful like a missionary. Don't just live like a local. And it's harder when you and I have been here for a while. I've said before, I was born like five miles that way in Everett. I grew up here most of my life. But it's my goal to live through the lens of How do I shine light today? How do I help people see Jesus today? That's what God wants in us. And I wanna challenge us as as I wrap this up here, but I wanna challenge us to consider what would it look like for you to wake up every day and just briefly a prayer. God, would you show me how to be a missionary today? Would you show me the opportunities that are before me today? What if you woke up with that attitude, with that heart every day? And maybe it's because you're gonna head to work. Maybe it's because you got the day off and you're gonna be in your neighborhood, out in the yard. Maybe you're gonna go grocery shopping, whatever you do. But to consider what does it look like to be mindful like a missionary, not just live like a local. I mentioned that we support 30 mission, missionaries all over the world. And, and one of those is Weston and Allison Stover, and they're in Africa. They're in Malawi, Africa. And they send, our, our missionaries will send newsletters and information and prayer requests sometimes and stuff. And, and we received one that Aaron shared with me, uh, and I want to share it with you, but, and I'm going to jump in. It's going to sound like an incomplete conversation, but bear with me. This is a quote from the newsletter. It says, and we can sell the vegetables, which we will be better quality because of the compost. And people will want to know where they came from. So then they'll come here to the farm and they'll meet us and see the joy and love that we have, and they'll want to know where that comes from. And then we can tell them it's all because of Jesus. It was truly a great joy to see the connections being made during our first thermal compost training. It isn't simply helping to further people's agricultural education, but it's about helping them develop relationships with the creator of all things. I take that quote and there's so much more to what she had to say, but she's talking about how in the context of where she's at in Africa, they're not great at farming, but the average family farms just over an acre of land every year. But the problem is because they're not great at it, they're barely able to survive with what they get. So what they're trying to do is help educate this community on better farming practices to yield a better crop so they're not just eking by, hoping that that will build a bridge to shine the light of Jesus into their lives. I love that because we have missionaries all over the world in all kinds of contexts. But the whole idea is how do they shine light where they've been sent? And in a series called Love Where You Live, while you and I aren't being sent, we were sent here. And whether for me, it was 47 years ago over there, I almost forgot how old I was, 46, wait, I'm only 46. Hey, gained another year of my life. But whether it's, like I said, that, and I'm here, or you've been here, or whatever it is, what does it look like for you and I to love where we live, to love the people around us, to love those we live. I know I say it all the time, but this is not just a religious gathering. It's a people that's meant to be mobilized as the body of Christ. That's our role. And it means, how do I be mindful the way I'm supposed to be? God, I pray for you to help us wrap our heads around what this means. I pray that we would begin to have a greater conviction about being mindful as missionaries, because we are. We're missionaries. And maybe we haven't seen it that way. Maybe, well, missionaries are over in that world. They they live on that continent. But God, we right where we're at are actually missionaries. And I pray like Paul, he built kind of, this is one of the strangest bridges I think he built into a world full of idolatry, into a world full of, of, of completely opposite belief systems of what he was talking about. And sure, some people mock, sure they mock us too. But Paul refused to give in to the mockery and get in the mud of slinging comments and anger back and forth. Instead, in dialogue and in debate, he had intelligent conversation that didn't burn bridges it built them. And in doing that, God, it opened him up to a greater opportunity with the big wigs of the city, with the big thinkers of the area. And I pray for us to have that kind of heart, that it matters the light we shine, it matters the way it shines, and It's not that we don't stand. It doesn't mean we don't have belief. We do. Hardcore, absolutely. But I pray for your wisdom. I pray for your mindfulness in every single one of us as missionaries every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.